0: This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going.
1: I'm introducing a bunch of guys tonight. that sold 40 million records and have an amazing career, 40 million records. They made the awful mistake the last couple of years of having some opinions, and those revolutionary acts have consequences in the People's Republic of Great Britain these days. Uh, a very, very interesting evening. Welcome, everybody. Dave Carpin will be uh, interviewing the guys tonight. A very, very warm Winston Smith Wallingford. welcome to Right Said Freds.
2: Thank you very much. My name's David Carpin. For the first 45 minutes, I'll be asking the questions, and uh, you can listen in and take a few notes, if you like. The second part of the meeting is open to the floor. We'll take questions from you. keep them relevant, keep them on topic, please. The purpose of this uh, is, uh, the purpose of this meeting is that we're bringing the debate to the town hall. It's very difficult to have conversations like this on Twitter and Facebook. Goodness knows the Freds have tried and got themselves in all sorts of trouble, which is why they're here today. So, so let's talk about the pandemic. The government suggested that we had a pandemic. Oxford University suggested that we uh, reached a level tier three uh, epidemic, okay. which is significantly less than that of a pandemic. And of course, event 201 uh, in the John Hopkins University suggested that there was a plan beforehand. I mean, what's your take on what happened for those two years?
1: Uh, okay. You go first. Um, my take. Well, I can only say from our personal perspective. So, what happened from our perspective was um, we went into lockdown March two thousand and twenty, and we live quite close to Heathrow. So, um, and we were told it was a lockdown, and we're just seeing lots of planes. Come, uh, go back and forwards. So we thought well, that's a strange kind of lockdown. So we went up, we drove up to Heathrow, went up to arrivals at uh, Terminal 5. And there were planes coming from Beijing and Sao Paulo and San Paolo, blah, blah, blah. So we thought well, that's a bit odd. So then we saw there was a march, or not march, like a demo a protest or whatever, a gathering happening at Trafalgar Square. So we thought, out of curiosity, we'd go and have a watch, you know, go have a look. So we went up there, and, we, and around Traverse Square, they've got those little sort of walls you can sit on, you know. So that's what we did. And then we got spotted by the press. We just went up there to observe, really. But then we got spotted by the press, then we started doing some selfies and that sort of thing. Uh, and then the next day, it just, the, the, Piers Morgan led the charge but the, the mental meltdown of us having the audacity to go along and see what was being said, to have a listen, it was too much for them. And I, I think what it was is that the public image of us from the beginning was, you know, it was kind of mum and dad, family-friendly fam, uh, family band. So yeah, you know, I'm too sexy and dippy dippy So the fact that we suddenly stepped outside of that comfort zone really upset a great deal of people. And I think if we'd been Maybe let's say Liam Gallagher or uh, Stormzy, it it would have sort of matched the music. It would have sort of matched their history, but we came out sort of. We kind of sucker punched people really by having by 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 just voicing an opinion. Our opinion being that you should express yourselves without any sort of. uh, have that been cancelled? You should be able to have an opinion. You should be able to question vaccine masks. Whatever it is, you should be able to question it. We never claimed we were scientists, obviously. <laughs> I have the same medical degree as Bill Gates. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, so that, that's basically, that's what happened to us. I, I mean, I'm not going to try and pass judgment on what happened globally, but that, I, I, just from our perspective, that's what's happened at the beginning of the
0: pandemic. So. Go. No. Yeah, we, um, the, the, for me, we, Fred was down the rabbit hole before I was. And I, at the beginning, I just thought it was all a lot of, it was sort of more chaotic than organised. I, really I didn't really get it. And then, and then when I heard the whole build back better thing, that was when I started to think, hold on a second. All these different people are saying the same thing, pretty much. So it seems to me there was a phone call. And the phone call to these dreadful people was... You can say what you like in the speech, as long as you say these three words. We don't care what else you say, as long as you say these three words. And King Charles, and they all said it, they all said it, a window of opportunity. And that's when I started, or we both started to think, this doesn't smell right. And you don't have to have a degree in science, or epidemiology, or pathology, or any otherology. you just have to use your God-given sense of what you feel is right. It's, you don't, and you don't have to be religious to know the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to know any of that. You just have to know, to think for yourself and to know in your gut whether it feels right. And if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And that's all it was for us. And then we, um, we, thought, we thought we lived in a country where expressing an opinion was kind of cool. And you, know, you could say pretty much what you wanted to say. And we realized very quickly that you can't. Um, you can't say what you think because there are a whole load of people out there 77 Brigade, among others, who will come down on you like a ton of coal something uh, if, you, if you stay at a line. And that's kind That's, and so we've had two and a half years of work canceled. We lost a movie, we lost an advert. Um, I mean, we, yeah, h- over a hundred shows, easily. Um, and, but it, I've never once regretted what we did, not for a single second. Go on. What do you want? That's mine.
1: <laughs> well, the
0: the, the thing is, we didn't do anything wrong. We, we get treated, uh,
1: particularly in the UK, it's not so bad abroad, but in the UK we get treated as if we did something wrong. And we stand firm that we didn't. Because uh, I, I hope, on, I, I administer our, I um, admin our um, Twitter page, and I don't think I've ever said you must do this or you must do that. I, I hope I haven't. And, um, and if I have, I, hopefully i deleted it. You know, But, um, but we, we, we tend to just say what we think. And what's extraordinary is an amount of, friction and static we've had for musicians it's off the chart and, and, and bizarrely we also get messages from well-known musicians saying keep up the good work and then they're playing a vax-only gig you go what the fuck is that about you, you know so, so we've we found ourselves in a very very bizarre place where I think we've just upset a lot of people because we are we, they, they wanted their heroes to speak out and they've ended up with Right Said Fred and it's really pissed them off <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's happened yeah yeah, yeah. You weren't the only people to speak,
2: speak out. No. I mean, Eric Clapton, for instance, we
0: know yes. he, he just told a personal story. Well, that, yeah, the, the weird thing about Eric Clapton was he, he had, took the jab. He, was, he lost the use of his hands, I think, for a certain amount of time and then told his story on Oracle, as I understand. And the flack that he got just for telling his story was extraordinary. It, it, was, it, was, it was as if he, he was against the vaccination from the off. It wasn't simply the question, I've had the and this is my story. Um, the, and that, that told you that the temperature was really, really hot at that time. And it all I think, for me, I don't know about anybody in this room, but for me it all started with Brexit. That's where, that's where this, it, it, the, the, the decision that people took to hate people that they just didn't agree with. That, and the Brexit thing for me was a moment where we, the nation was completely divided and we had no politicians at that time in this country encouraging people to talk to each other encouraging people to listen to the opposite view we had politicians who were just working to the base that's all they were doing and um and it's been the same with COVID. it's been the same ever since we have had absolutely i feel really strongly about this as you can tell we have had absolutely no leadership in this country from any leading politician we've had you know andrew bridgen and christopher um, Christopher chope and a few others but broadly speaking front bench on both sides have bought into the story and it's a disgrace you know, we've, we've been taught to be ashamed of our history, our culture, our country, everything. And it's, I, I cannot stand these people. They are a disgrace to this country, really. Anyway, I'll shut up now. No,
1: yeah, sorry.
0: All right. <laughs> so on the
2: subject of vaccines, surely it, an individual should have a personal choice.
0: Well, yeah, I, our thing was with the vaccine was knock yourself out. If you want to have it, absolutely. Do, you know, do a bit of research and have it if you want to. Um, And we often mention Emma Thompson in this because it was during the the, my body, my choice thing with the abortion thing, do you remember that? And then, of course, when it came to the vaccine, it wasn't my body, my choice, it was your body, my choice. That's what it became. And uh, so the the vaccine, our our position was never don't take it. It was always, we thought it was uh, uh, absurd to take it because there was no um, long-term, no detailed um, evidence to show that it was fully effective and that it was safe. Um, so it seemed to us to be an unwise decision to take. And now, of course, you have the, the government and the pharmaceutical companies saying, Well, we didn't force you to take it. We didn't tell you to take it. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You've got other people to tell you to take it. That's what you did. So the whole, the, the deception was profound from the very, very beginning. And it, when you go through, if you look through the, you know, the, 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 the socials, that's what was going on two or three years' time, it was insane. You had those idiot Wallaby, Willoughby, whatever her name is, and, 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 uh, and Schofield. Schofield, hugging each other through a, through a plastic sheet. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, it was bonkers. It was absolutely insane. And we should, we should never, ever allow that to happen again. And people should be encouraged to think for themselves. No politician will want you to do that. No politician will want you to do that. Politicians will want you to think what they think. And that must never happen. Um, and I, I, it's, I, it's, it, was, it was a failure of the British people to, fo- to, to stop thinking critically for themselves. You mentioned
2: a deception. The word mandate has two meanings. It has yes. a meaning in Correct. English yep. language and it has a meaning in law. Yes. And in law, of course, it requires consent, and yes. typically that consent is robust, revoked upon yeah. death. Well, yep. clearly, it was revoked before that because we're yes. yes. still here. Yes. But the point is, it requires a consent. Yes. They didn't tell anybody that?
1: No,
0: they didn't, No. 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 Also, no. I will to think open mind, because sure. I can speak really loudly. Um, I would, you the, the, uh, do I do sorry you wouldn't be allowed to say mandate now would you? It would have to be person date. Yes. Would not it I mean from a diversity oh, point if of view. Correct. You know, if you really want if you really want to go down that road it's person date. It's like, like person whole. or uh, or it's just anyway that's that's a, a simple observation from me. I'll give the microphone back to my brother. Yes.
1: Sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah, what are we talking about? <laughs> will talking about man, today? Yes, yeah. I, I always found the... Um, I found the mask thing really interesting because uh, yeah, we, we've, we've been involved in gyms and sort of not health industry, but we've always tried to look after ourselves for years. And at no point have I ever met a dietitian, a nutritionist, a personal trainer. And we used to train with a sports scientist down in Brighton at the uh, university down there. And we used to take his advice and we used to do lots of treatments and, and tests on running machines and everything. No one ever said to me, what you should do is wear a mask and breathe in your own, is, is, is your own waste. No one ever said that. And, and, and then the idea that these masks were gonna stop uh, a virus, I just found really bizarre. And, and I'm mixed about, I mean, which and I don't agree with this, but. I kind of think if you want to wear a mask, if that's what, if that's what turns you on, knock yourself out and do it. The trouble with it is, it it looks like an act of 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 civility. It looks like you have been, you're cutting yourself off from society. That's what it looks like to me. So I'm very mixed about. It. On the one hand, I hate them. On the other hand, if you want to wear it, I, I kind of if I, if I'm going to be true to myself, which is. Freedom, freedom of expression. You want to express yourself with a mask, then I guess that's your choice. You know, you know. Do you think the mask had more of a psychological
2: impact? Yes. And secondly, it's an occult symbol of, of slavery
0: and subservience. So you know who's complying with the, yes. with the agenda. Partly, yeah. My problem with it was that it, it separated us from each other. So that you, when you were walking down the street, if somebody smiled at you, you wouldn't know. It, it, it stopped the community in the same way that they stopped people going to pubs, they stopped people going to churches, they stopped, they stopped this. This is what they hate because they can't control it. And that's why everything went onto Zoom. Everything, everything had to go through the socials because there they can control it. And uh, for me, the mask thing was more to do with the separation of people than it was the, whether, whether the masks were in, uh, effective or not. And I remember walking into a pub. Do you remember when they took your temperature, when you, you walked into a pub, with that silly thing on the thing? And I walked, <laughs> my brother's daughter is a, is a medic, this doctor, and she said, they don't work. These things, do, they just don't, don't work. Uh, but I walked into this pub and this girl behind the counter, she pointed this thing at my forehead. And I said, I said my, doc, my, my brother's um, uh, daughter is a doctor and she says they don't work. And this barmaid said, but it says on the packet, that's what you're up against that is what you're up against and uh, you know the the science of it same with masks I mean I don't think there's been many many reports coming out now that the masks even the the N95 masks have a a very limited effect Um, and people still wear them so we've got past the point it's a belief system like like being religious it has nothing to do with the science of it it has to do with with, with the kind of mental thing. Like you say, it's a kind of comfort blanket for some people, I think. Um, and I, But my big problem, as I say, was to do with if somebody was smiling at you, you couldn't see that. You couldn't understand it. You, it stopped us communicating with each other. That was the profound problem with it, I think.
2: And in terms of testing, there are a couple of tests, the PCR tests yes. so so on and so forth. I mean, yes. What was that actually telling us? I mean, they seemed to be calibrated in such a way that they would give... Positive well, yes. Results.
1: If you listen or read um, about Carrie Mullis, who, in, who invented uh, the PCR test and got a Nobel Prize for his trouble, and then died before this all happened, which is rather disappointing to say the least, but he says it's not to be, met, it's not to be used for diagnostic purposes. He also says that it should only be run at certain cycles, Then it's not, otherwise it's not effective. All those were, were ignored. And what's interesting, we have, a, you know, we have a lot of dialogue online and I was getting um, hassled the other day on Facebook because someone posted a picture of their PCR test. And I said, these, these actually are 3% accuracy, I think, is something yes. like that. And um, this guy said, what are you, doctor? I, I, I said, actually not, <laughs> but you might want to refer to Car- Carrie yeah. Mollis. They so said, who's that? So I said, so come on, it's three and a half years in. I mean, yeah. pick up a fucking book. You know, yeah. go online. Yeah. And, um, and so, so I... I, I, I Again, I'm I, I mixed. I mean, if you, want to, if you want to believe that, you want to test yourself, I, I, suppose I, I don't like to tell people what, not, what to do and what not to do. That's their business. But you have to at least do yourself a favor and understand the history of that. Yeah. Of, of that of that test. That's yeah, how he I He a debate
2: with Fauci for a very very long time. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. No, he, he believed really Fauci was a politician,
1: yes. not a doctor. Yeah, very much, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you've got to read, look at Fauci's history. The way A A Z T and what an absolute friggin' disaster that was. So, uh, you know, I, I think um, obviously if you're Fauci, you don't want to sit in a room with the guy who invented the PCR test. Definitely. That's not going to be a ha- <laughs> that's not going to be a happy discussion, yeah. is it? You yeah, know, yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the other other thing with the tests on a a more sort of practical, uh, logical uh, base is that where do they all come from? Now, somebody somewhere was manufacturing these tests years ago because suddenly all these little bits of plastic just appeared. So who was making these things and what did they know that we weren't told? And that's the same with masks. It's the same with all the paraphernalia that came with it. Companies somewhere in the world were making this stuff several years prior to this whole ha- that whole thing happening. So my, my gut feeling is that somebody somewhere knew what was coming. And, they, and we all know the stories about the numbers of people that have made vast amounts of money off uh, PPE and everything else, you know. So aside, forget whether you, I mean, this is the, apparently COVID-19 was the only disease that you have to get tested for to know if you've got it, uh, apparently. Um, but. Just, th- just think back, suddenly all these, as I say, all these little bits of plastic were in every hospital, in every place, every, all over the world. So some, who was making this stuff and how long did it take to produce all that stuff? So that, that tells me that somebody somewhere knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. That's all, That's, it's that simple. And then the demonization of over-the-counter
2: medicine. Oh, which is, well, exactly,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I um, got a story about that. Yes, I mean, what happened with 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 me? I was, I, I felt like shit in two thousand twenty one. Was it two thousand
0: twenty one? I think yes, it was. I it I was two thousand
1: no yeah. twenty one. I think, and I, I felt really. I didn't bother with the test. I felt, I just felt horrible. I, I'm asthmatic, so I had, I my breathing went very shallow. I was getting hot. So uh, by that time, we'd already, we'd already. You know, if if you speak out, you suddenly find there's this little network that you're plugged into, even if you don't want to be, you are. So I phoned up one of the doctors who, who was speaking out, and I said, what do you suggest? He said, get some Ivermectin, he gave me a, a link. That's what I did, it came, I took, uh, I took the, uh, I think it was eight tablets a day for five days, gone. Mm-hmm. That was it, so uh, that, that was, and, and, and I, I have, uh, Richard, it, it's funny, in our, our family, I get all the viruses and illness, and he's never ill, oh. ever. <laughs> and so, so I'm asthmatic, I have uh, immune problems, I won't believe it. Anyway, so um, I have to be careful with, with how I look after myself. So I should have been incredibly ill. Based on what we were told, I was vulnerable and I should have been rushed into hospital and been very ill. I I wasn't at all. Um, I think maybe because we look after ourselves, I don't know, maybe that helped. But um, I I took the ivermectin and uh, I I, I, I was fine in five days, back in the gym within two weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah. One of the things about hydroxychloroquine, Mm -hmm. the whole thing about COVID-19, it took me the entire two and a half years of COVID-19 to know how to say that. (laughs) When I saw... when I saw it written down, I thought, hydrant, <laughs> hydrant, <laughs> you know. Um, but the, I, I, ha- I, I think I had COVID. I, I'm not sure, but I think I had COVID. And I was in hospital. I had a cut head because I fell over in the bath. And that's why I was taken to hospital. But I think they might have tested me while I was there. But what was interesting to me was when I left, um, just out of interest, I asked the consultant nurse who came in to discharge me. I was in hospital for about two and a half to three days. And um, I just said to the nurse, uh, have you ever heard of um, ivermectin? And she, the first thing she said to me was, can you spell it? <laughs> right. So I thought, ah, oh, right, okay. So I spelt it. And she looked, she obviously Googled it and looked it up on her phone. She looked at it for maybe five or ten seconds, shut the phone off and walked out. Now, I, you, don't have to, you don't have to believe that ivermectin works. But if you're in the medical profession, you should know the name of it, at least. And you should know that it's available uh, or if you want it you should be aware of the, of the plethora of treatments out there for any particular condition. The fact that she didn't know it, I thought was really telling. Um, and we have a friend who's a, who's a, a, a medic and he, he had the same experience in hospitals as well. In fact, in one hospital, um, he happened to know, he was ill in hospital. I don't know whether, I don't know whether he had COVID, I'm not, he did. Okay, he was ill in hospital. And um, the tea lady was somebody that he knew and she was doing the rounds and she went up to, while he was in bed, she went up to him and she said, if you don't get out of this hospital, they're going to kill you. That's what she said. Now, you know, the, the, the whole story about once you're on a ventilator, it's, it's curtains, you know. Um, and at, the, at his hospital at that time, they had bouncers on the door to stop you leaving. I mean, it was like, it was like a very expensive nightclub. You know, it's, it's bonkers. So, um, so he, he, he eventually left and um, He believes that if his partner um, had been treated with ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine at the time, her cancer would have been in remission and she would still be alive. That's what he thinks. And now we have the whole thing about turbo cancer, which we've all heard about. And I used the expression once on Twitter and some bloke said to me, you've just made that up. No, I haven't just made that up at all. Who wants to make that up? Who wants to make that up? Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, you hear all sorts of stories now. And the most amazing thing to me, is that nobody's, the date the press have been muzzled completely. Um, and now you have, I know it's a change of the subject very quickly, the whole Russell Brand thing on GB News with Dan Wood and everything else. Now you've got Adam Bolton, who's a mainstream reporter, saying that Ofcom should shut down GB News because they're not telling the story, they're not telling the, the, the narrative. And I think what, during this whole COVID thing, I used to trust everything. I trusted the newspapers, I trusted the courts, I trusted the coppers, I trusted medicine, everything. And now I don't trust any of them. That's the, and that is a huge problem, I think, for the future. And the NHS too. I mean, it's, it's difficult to trust your own doctor some uh, of the decisions
2: that were made.
1: Yes, it is. I mean, I, I, I think it's important to not see these organisations as one... Uh, one, yeah, one, 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 one um, what's the word I'm looking for? thing <laughs> let's, let's use the word thing <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, that's my that's my, sec- that's my secondary education coming through there um, so so what hap- what um, uh, yes yeah, so what, what's important is that for example we get uh, there's a local cafe we have breakfast in regularly the coppers are in there a lot there's one policeman who always hangs back before all the other coppers leave to tell us to keep up the good work we've had the same with firemen we've had the same with loads of doctors yeah, and nurses yeah. so it's really important to not see these people as, 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 one, as, as one thing yeah. uh, because they all have different opinions some have to keep, uh, keep their thoughts themselves so I think it's really important not to oh I hate the BBC because what was really interesting we... We did um, an interview run about two months ago with BBC Regional. First of all, they were really supportive, really nice. Um, and on, I, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but off, off mic, before we went live on air, quite a few of them said, keep up the good work. So that, that, that was interesting. So it's really important not to see these, see these organisations as one thought, because they're made up of, you know, thousands of different people, you
0: know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, sorry. Take it. Yeah. With the... Going uh, with with, back to the NHS, you mentioned us earlier. I got a, um, a text, I'm sure many people here have. Um, it's time for your flu jab, right? And I've never had a flu jab, and um, I, st- I would never have one. Now, I, five years ago, I would have thought to myself, I don't want a flu jab because I don't need it. I don't really want to be jabbed with another lot of chemicals. That's, but, but now, I think, I don't trust the NHS not to put something else in it. That's the problem. It's, it's, it's that lack of trust that you, that you, that you, that, that, that's, that's now endemic, I think, in all sorts of areas. And uh, so, you know, it, whether it's the NHS or whether it's the coppers or whatever it is, it, there's always in the back of your mind, is this, is this the skinny? Is this the true story? Am I, am I getting the facts here or am I being fed more BS? And I, I think it's a huge... It's a problem for the UK and, and every country. You have to have... For civil society to work, you have to have elements of trust in in, in, in the institutions that, that govern the, the, the society. And if you don't have that, it's a free-for-all. It's, it's very dangerous. You've mentioned your rights. I mean,
2: COVID really attacked the individuals' mm. yes. civil liberties, inalienable yep. rights, constitutional rights, yep. Yep. right to travel, yep. yes. bodily
1: integrity. Yep. Yes. Yep. Well, we... Um, we had um, all our shows canceled, so we weren't traveling very much at all. But at the time, I had a place in Barcelona. And traveling in and out there during COVID was just extraordinary. I was allowed to travel because I had family there and I had a property. Um, but on, um, on the... Uh, I had an exemption also not to wear a mask on the plane. And the animosity shown towards me was off the chart. So I thought I'd back myself up. So I got a couple of doctor's letters... Um, one from a chief medical officer saying that I'm, that I'm not to wear a mask. So I had these laminated, right, in, in my backpack. So I'd walk on with me in my little lanyard and they'd go, Not so fast, Mr. Not Fairbrass. You know, where do you think you're going? So, so, they'd, they, yeah, so they'd say, well, You can't come on the plane. So I said, Why not? They said, Because you're not wearing a mask. Will you wear a mask? No, I'm not going to wear a mask. So then I'd say, Would you like to see a doctor's letter? They said, Yes, we would. So I said, Would you like to see two? (laughs) At which point they had to take it, the attitude changed extraordinarily because they went from almost medical advisors, if you like, telling me what they think is best for me. To me, showing them a, 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 an accredited document saying that I'm not to wear a mask, it was quite an interesting. You suddenly see them going, oh, uh, 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 "Oh, I'm a bit confused. My narrative has been questioned. What am I to do?" And I had this a lot. Spain was particularly aggressive. I mean, Barcelona is a miserable airport at the best of times, but they were particularly aggressive. And I, just one story I, I, I'll tell you: I was, on the last times I flew back. Um, I was talking to the customs lady and, um, and she started. I, I'd, I'd never masked, and she started to show, Masqueria, Masqueria. And, uh, and I, I went, Tranquilo, Tranquilo. And she literally, it's a true story, she jumped up and she started banging. Banging the table. It's like a mental breakdown. Banging the table like this. the police start turning up. And I'm just going, tranquilo. And then she starts shouting, tranquilo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they were just tranquilo going back and forth. It was just insane. A copper came up who obviously thought she was maybe losing her mind. Actually got her to calm down. And he escorted me food security but, she, but it, was, it was extraordinary she yeah, i think she was having a very bad day and maybe i was the last thing she needed and maybe her shift was ending or something i don't know but it was extraordinary to watch her actually go into this mental collapse yeah. because i wasn't doing exactly
0: what she wanted me to do it was extraordinary we, we flew out i can't remember what airport we were in when we flew out when i was holding the passport frankfurt frankfurt and this is only a short time ago. And I was, we were queuing up to go through passport control. And I had the very, very corner of my passport in my mouth because I was looking for something else. You should have seen the guy behind the, behind the glass. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. Go to the back of the queue and get yourself hygienically tested or something. And it's like, what is what's the matter with you? You know what I mean? It's like, so, so anyway, what we did was we just moved to the next, col- the, the, the next column, and the next guy was fine. He was absolutely fine. But this guy had some kind of, I don't know what it was, it was a kind of, it's a switch that's been clicked by, by the politicians, by the, his boss, by somebody, um, and all rational thinking has gone out of the window. And we had the same, although I can understand it because it, it was way back in the day in America, we had the same there. I did the same thing there. And I'm surprised I wasn't arrested. I mean, really, they went absolutely mental. It was just extraordinary. Well, uh, what
1: was, it, well, what was interesting, What's interesting about the thing in Frankfurt yeah. is all the other uh, passport control guys had those um, grey gloves on, the really yeah. tight gloves. The one guy who didn't was this guy. And <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, if you're so freaked out about germs, yeah. where are your gloves, mate? Yeah, yeah. Where are they? It was extraordinary. But we just went literally five feet to the left, and this guy was good, fine. Which is going back to that thing we are saying. It's important not to judge these organisations yeah. as, one, as one thing, because there's lots of different, thousands of different opinions yeah. within, within those organisations. Yeah. And
2: countries, because Spain was particularly harsh. Oh. States Be- Spain, and Portugal. And Portugal. And Portugal. Portugal. Yeah.
0: And Belarus, Portugal. on the other hand
2: refused to declare a pandemic. Yes. Oh, did it?
0: Yeah, oh, did they really? Yeah, the okay, okay. Yeah. It's, it's quite, I mean, different, obviously different countries have very, much, um, very different um, attitudes and we were talking to these Americans yesterday um, and they're from, um, they're, the young girl had studied in Seattle and Seattle, she said even now, she said 90% of people are wearing masks, I mean, even now. And, uh, and she said also the violence in some of these American cities, if you, if you walk around the wrong area with a MAGA hat on, they, you will get clobbered. Yeah. It's not like, oh, look at that loony with a MAGA hat on. You will get hit. So it, there's a, that level of, of, it's a really odd thing, the way this has happened. I think partly maybe Trump and people like that are at fault in as much as they've, they've raised the temperature of this. I don't know. I can't say that, but that's true. Robert Kennedy Jr. is trying to, is trying to lower the temperature of this whole thing. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that works. But, it's, but the, the temperature both in the UK and obviously in America and in some European countries has gone through the roof and people are on alert the whole time to be offended, to be frightened, um, to be doubting, to whatever it happens to be. And um, I'm really pleased that I'm you know, over the age of 50. I hate, I hate to
1: say, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right,
0: all right. Whatever, whatever. It's very cool to be over the age of 50, actually. Um, but I wouldn't want to be any younger, to be honest, because I, what's coming down the line, if you don't stand up and fight it's pretty scary. I think, you know, I well, think you need to watch out, mate.
2: <laughs> this goes back to standing up for your inalienable rights. Oh,
1: yes, it is, yeah. yeah. You have to
2: stand for yeah. the Constitution and understand it. Yeah. In some ways, in the United States, it's easier. It's written down. It's a codified Constitution.
1: B- very much so, yes, yeah. yes, which yes. is but why it's
2: important for the British people to understand <laughs> that these... Uh, to restrict people's travel, for instance, with yes. these 15-minute cities is 20 miles an hour, old. so you yeah. completely it, it's, against it's, inalienable rights. Yes,
1: it's just control. Yeah. And the thing is, if everybody just ignored the 20-mile-an-hour, 20, 20 I, I mean, I understand 20 miles an hour outside a hospital, school, Schools, yeah. hospice, old people, mm-hmm. so I get all that. But when you're talking about uh, dual car- dual carriageways or you know the, the Westway going into London or, or Park Lane, it makes mm-hmm. no sense. Two o'clock in the morning, you've got to go 20 miles an hour down Park Lane. It's, it's bollocks. It's, yes. It makes no sense. There's a complete there's a complete <laughs> lack of an English expression. Yeah. Yes, that's a complete lack of logic. It makes no sense whatsoever. So therefore, you have to say, well, it's not. If it's not logical, what is it? What's well, control?
0: Yeah. Yes. yes. Before, we, before we came here, we. Uh, looked up the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which gets a bit of a pasting over here because the Tories want to turn it into a, a, a human rights, a, a British human rights thing, whatever. But it's interesting, some of the things that are, that are central to it. And Article 1 says, all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Well, it's not true, is it? No. It's just not true. So every single time the government, any government, comes down on you for any particular reason, they are breaking. Article one of the the Declaration of Human Rights. The other one, everyone has a right to life. No, they don't. Everyone has a right to liberty and security. No, they don't. So you could go through this whole thing and governments across the world and in the UK are breaking various articles of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights every single second of every single day. And we don't do anything about it. Why do we keep electing these people? Why? I don't understand it. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've often thought the best way to teach these swine a lesson is to not vote at all. The only thing that gives them credibility is the vote. If they, you know, they, we have the election and they wake up in the morning and their vote is 2%, well, that's a bit of a shock. There's no validation for them to go back to the House. None. So we withdraw our support until you start behaving properly and representing the British people effectively which you're not doing. Parliament
2: is just an idea. Yes. If it doesn't work, in theory, it can be removed and what, replaced with
0: something. Yeah, we, we forget that. We're, we're a bit like, imagine if you hire a gardener, right? And the gardener comes in, you're paying him to do your garden. And one day the gardener comes in and says, actually, I've decided, I'm, I'm gonna, I think it'd be much easier for me, particularly, if we just concrete the whole thing. What we'll do, we'll knock it all down, we'll concrete the whole thing, how's that? No, but I'm paying you. You are my gardener. We pay these politicians, so why do we put up with their nonsense? Why do we put up with Rishi Sunak saying that he wants to make smoking illegal throughout the UK? Why? It's beyond me that we uh, we seem to have forgotten who the boss is, and we are the boss. They are public servants. They are public servants. Well, <laughs> nice idea. Nice idea. Yeah. Nice idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So Covid was really an exercise, it seemed to be an exercise in removing these rights. And people yes. unfortunately complied with a lot of it, whether it be going to church, whether it be uh, traveling around yes. the country, yes. uh, they were happy to be locked up. And now in terms of um, being locked up, we're now looking at potential climate lockdowns. Yes, I,
1: I think they're gonna really struggle. I've got to be honest, although um, I think they will try this and that maybe some countries, or maybe it'll be, you know, county by counties, postcode driven. I really don't know. Um, I can't read them. i have got my oh, glasses on. Okay. Um, <laughs> something else I can't do. <laughs> <you> can't do <laughs> <yeah>. Shut up. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I think. I think, it, I think well, it, it was it was Nicole or Nicola Schwab, who's the daughter of Klaus Schwab and the lovely Heidi. He- Heidi, I think her name is. No, Hilda. Hildy. Hilda. Yeah. What a love nice uh, couple. <clears throat> gorgeous. Throat> gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. And. Um, She she said that COVID was a precursor. And we've had other people say that. Yuval Harari said similar things. So it's almost like, a well, we'll see what we can get away with. And then we'll start pushing it. And I I feel that's very much where we are at the moment. I do have a degree of hope that I'm not, I don't think the English are particularly prone to going out like on the streets like the French are, as an example. But I do think the English have this ability to shrug their shoulders and go, I'm not doing that. And we get a lot of that. We get a lot of blokes coming up, particularly, you know, manual labourers, you know, builders and blokes on the street that just come up and say, yeah, good for you. And yeah, I'm not doing that bullshit anymore. And they've, you know, even if they've had their jabs or wore their masks, they've got to the point of thinking, no, nah, I'm done with this now. And I think... Well, I hope there's a a, um, a degree of waking up going on. Uh, certainly enough, and it doesn't need to be the whole country by 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 any means. But a, a, a just to certain just the people in this room. Just to be in this room. Yeah. But but you don't need a huge percentage. If you haven't, you know, If you had ten percent of the country going, we're not doing that. Mm. That's a huge problem. That's six million people. That's a lot. That's a lot of unhappy unhappy people to deal with. So um, I think I, I I live in hope because there's well, there's not much option really. So you know,
0: one one thing I think is. The devil is always in the detail, always. Um, and George Orwell, it was, it, in, in his particular case, it was language. So war is peace, and love is hate, and that kind of stuff. And so, when I saw the work, the WEF, the key thing for me was the middle word, economic. It's not. It's not the world spiritual forum. It's not the world democratic forum. It's not the world we really care about you forum. It's the world economic forum. It's all about money. That's what it is. It's nothing to do with, with, with benefiting you. It's nothing to do with liberating you. It's nothing to do with anything else other than money. And the other thing is, just have you ever, I'm sure you've all seen the picture of Schwab dressed up like something out of Star Trek. Have you seen that? The guy is clearly insane. He's clearly utterly bonkers. But somehow we have the most spineless clutch of politicians right across the globe who pay homage to him. Go figure. I mean, I do not understand it. They're the same kind of people who would have been bowing and scraping at the mountain god 5,000 years ago. You know, that's, they are completely hopeless. And if you can't spot a lunatic, Yuval Harari, who wants to hack everybody on the planet if he had his way, these people are clinically insane. I really do believe that. And I think they need to be locked up. And I think they, people like the politicians who give these people space need to wake up and need to th- start thinking for themselves and stop thinking like the people they... Purport to admire. Uh, it, it's a failure. This whole thing has been a failure of politics. The whole thing. They seem to be operating at a world level. World what? Economic Forum,
2: yes. United Nations, oh, well, yeah.
0: Health the, Organization. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all. Compl- these people, the other week that, in, uh, in Versailles, you had King Charles, Mick Jagger, and uh, Hugh, Grant. Hugh Grant all quaffing champagne and Macron, and Macron all drink, quaffing champagne, drinking love. Do you think they care about you? Really? Do you think these people seriously think and care about the people in this country? They don't. And that's evident. Look at what's happened in, in, um, in the Canadian Parliament with some Waffen-SS guy getting a standing ovation. These people are completely bonkers. There's a, there's a massive disconnect between what ordinary people want in this country and the way the elites are behaving. And Matthew Goodwin, whom I'm sure you, you know... Uh, believes that the elites have left, they, and the Brexit was a, was a, a beginning, of, an example of that, where the elites have left the, the working people and the ordinary people of this country behind. And I think that's exactly true. And Mick Jagger, who came from nothing, should know better, really. It's, 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 not, it's inexcusable, frankly. Uh,
2: we've mentioned the European
0: Union and, yes.
2: and Brexit. Yes. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that government has done everything it possibly can to remain as aligned as possible with Absolutely. It, despite the vote to leave. So again, yes. doing the people no, <coughs> uh,
1: no Not really, no. I mean, I, I, I voted to leave, but partly because there was legal stay, wasn't there? Um, and if there had been a uh, the option to stay in an economic union, I would have voted for that. No, no, no. I just don't think countries should stick their noses in other countries' politics. That's my that's where I was on this. And I think the the old EEC was a good idea. Trade bloc makes complete sense. Um, I just don't think Germany should be telling the Norwe- not the you know, the Italians how to run their life, or vice versa. You know. Anyway, <coughs> so uh, my my position. Yeah, that, that's how I. That's, that was my thinking on it and obviously when suddenly uh, you weren't allowed to have that thought you know and people say oh i voted for brexit well, no no you didn't because brexit was never on the sheet it was leave or remain yeah. you could you, brexit was just a catchphrase that the press invented um so I, I my position was again was why can't someone just have that opinion or why can't why can't you not know but that wasn't allowed so we had Geldof shouting from some boat on the Thames and sticking his fingers up. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, um, and, and...
0: Fishermen who
1: were earning a living. Yeah, and it was the same sort of thing. I mean, I'm not particularly a a Trump fan, but I remember um, when he was running and they spoke to people like George Clooney. He said, oh, that'll never happen. And just jokes. Well, it did. It did happen. And that was the populist vote. And suddenly, apparently, populism is now a bad thing. That's a strange, odd position to take. Irrespective of your opinion of where that takes us. Can I just stop and think for a minute? Populism is a bad thing. So being popular, but saying something that's popular is wrong. That's really fucked up. That's a very, very strange place to be, isn't it? Really odd. And I, I've, you know, well, we're, we're, we're a pop band. Pop comes from popular. So suddenly, if you're selling records, that's a bad thing, apparently now. So... I don't know. I don't know what that takes. I don't know. I, I just find, I just found that that the the, the, the use of the language and the way we're getting language, sort of um, putting put put, put, uh, put through the mincer, So it's bizarre. And um, I, I Morrissey was talking about this at some point, talking about diversity, and I agree with him. Diversity is another word for conforming. It's another word. It's division through diversity. Mm-hmm. And I I think they're just coming up with these words to, to it, 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 it's it's trying to kill old language and bring in the new. It's, it's Orwellian. It's exactly what Orwell spoke about, you
0: know. You. Yeah, no, the, the, the whole thing, if you... We, so I, what I think is, we, I think we've got bogged down in the science of it all and in the, in the politics of it all. And, su- and actually, su- most of these things boil down to really simple fundamentals. And in this particular case, the fundamental was freedom of choice. That's all it was. We've, got, we've been labelled as Nazis, we've been labelled as all... I mean, everything you can imagine. Communists, Nazis, you know, uh, you know gammon, shills, chills, paid, ev- opposition. paid opposition, everything. But the fundamental thing at the root of it all, and all that we've talked about right from the off, is choice. And we've had some very, very famous musicians in our... We notice, notice this, obviously, because we're musicians, with bucket loads of money, huge profile, with no medical degree whatsoever. <clears throat> telling me what to do with my body. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not acceptable. It's, it's completely unacceptable, in fact. Yes. It's like Bob Dylan's deciding he's a doctor, based on nothing at all.
1: Also, it's, it's important to remember the, the Kaiser Chiefs and the Isle of Wight Festival. Now, if you haven't seen that clip, oh. Google Kaiser Chiefs Isle of Wight Festival. They did hands in the air for Moderna. Let's hear it from Moderna. Wow. This, is, this is main, they were headlining, so you 've got I don't know how many people that are the white we 've ever been invited, so I wouldn't know. but um, <laughs> uh, that's another story mm. and um, so you've got they 're cheering for moderna for Pfizer and for Johnson and Johnson, and then they ask the crowd to boo the unvaccinated. Now, this is incitement it's extraordinary it's extraordinary. and these idiots, instead of going well, hey, well, hey, hey what, what, what do you think you're doing? This is meant to be a gig, you know. Um, but, they, but they just do as they're told. And on a slightly different uh, note, we were doing a corporate oh, I know about saying. 10 years ago. Yeah. And bands don't admit to doing corporates, but every band does because yeah. it's good money, you get treated well, and it's, and it's, it's a bank run. And we were doing this, uh, this, this corporate for this company. I won't mention the company, but the, the, guys, what the guy asked us, or asked Richard, in between songs, can you do that, right? So yeah, yeah, because uh, the company's name began with L. So and there's about five, six thousand in the hall, and uh, and they spent a lot of money on this on this on this corporate. So so we're we're, we're playing, and Richard then remembers he does this, it, and not just one or two people did it. Five thousand people like that did that.
0: I couldn't stop doing yeah,
1: it. Yeah, ex- it, it, ex- it was It was it was like being at a rally. It was the most extraordinary experience. And that is what happened at the Isle of Wight with the, with the Kaiser Chiefs. And it's what's happened time and time again in the last three years. It's, I'm telling you to do this, do it now. And they just did. It was absolutely...
0: Bizarre experience, really yeah, Well, uh, a lot of people take comfort from being in the herd. <coughs> yeah. but it's actually quite a difficult thing. I mean, I was watching a, I was watching a thing about um, sheep the other day. And um, oh, really? yeah, I know, I was on my socials. And there's this, this collie dog, and it was, it was rounding these sheep up, going down a narrow lane, and all the sheep belting down the road in the same direction. And then one sheep disappeared in a field left center, just disappeared. Now, to me, that's the interesting sheep that's the one i would want to talk, talk to but get to know, get to know because it's that one sheep that's interesting you know and back in the day galileo was killed for saying the unsayable and so to me we don't, we don't listen enough i think i can't remember which politician said it about being a voice in the wilderness and one thing he said is the thing with the voice in the wilderness it carries a lot further because there's nobody there and i think that's a really interesting idea and we should always, never you, you know, the herd is not a blanket, a safety blanket. It's a dangerous place to be. And also that's why I keep saying, we both keep saying, think always think for yourself and always have a slightly cynical um, uh, head on your shoulders, particularly when it comes to politics. Now, one question I'd like to ask everybody here very quickly is five, imagine, p- go back five years, put your hands up if back five years ago, you would have trusted politicians to look after your welfare as best they could. Put your hand up. Right, okay, two, right. Now, how do you feel now about those same people looking after your welfare, exactly? (laughs) Nobody. So what's happened in the intervening time is that we have woken up. We have woken up to the fact that our elected representatives do not, by and large, serve our purpose. They do not, they're serving other people. Do we think Rishi Sunak is really, is is not communicating with the WEF? Of course he is. Do we think that Biden's in charge of America? No, he's not. So so we've learned that, and in a way, COVID-19 has been a blessing from that point of view. I think it's woken us all up to the fact that honor and truth in politics is very rare. And it's a a lesson that we need to relearn, and we need to demand it of politicians, that they are truthful and honorable. And that sounds really old fashioned, but that's what it is. And I don't care who Johnson sleeps with. I don't care. It doesn't bother me or Mitterrand or anybody else. What I care about is, are you telling me the truth about politics, about social care, about defence, about who you answer to? That's what I want to know. And uh, I think we, as a, as, a, as a people in this country, I, I don't think we think about that anywhere near hard enough. I really don't. I'll shut up now. Do you think politics has changed in that you've got one set of people that just want
2: lots of government and another set of people that just want to be left alone? Yeah.
1: Yes, I also think, I think Blair was the catalyst for this. I think Blair changed the, uh, the landscape in politics. I think the career politician, I think he... He, he, he sort of was the beginning of that. And if you go back, you, you watch Peter Shaw, at uh, the Oxford uh, debate, you, li- you, w- you listen to Tony Benn, read some of the stuff he, he talked about, um, Robin, Robin Cook, uh, John Davis, uh, even Thatcher. You know, whatever you think of her, at least she had an opinion that was hers. It wasn't bought. Or well, certainly didn't appear to be, uh, and I, yeah, same with Wilson and uh, Callahan. Not so sure about Callahan, but um, I, I, at least with those people, even if you don't like them, it, their opinions seem to come from an on, from a place of that they believed in. You know, whether you think they're right or wrong. Now, where do, I don't know where these uh, where, where these um, politicians' beliefs start or end. I, I don't know what is who's paying for them. I don't know who, what it, it, are, are they being paid. Are they just delusional? I, I don't know. And, and the fact I don't know is I'm not obviously I'm not alone there, but also that's a huge problem. I should fuck it so I should know. I should I should know where a politician's belief begin and end. But you can't. It's the whole thing is a quagmire. And, and and they change like that. Their opinions change all the time. Which is also what you're seeing on mainstream media now. Piers Morgan has suddenly become sort of weird truther. It's watching this sort of bizarre sort of so sort of 180, you know, and, and, and is he doing that because he actually thinks it or he thinks it's where the ratings are? I, I, I have no idea. Um, so I, I find the whole thing very disarming. And um, I, I don't like it. I don't want to distrust people. I want to better go to my doctor and believe them. I want, if I'm stopped by a copper in the street, I want to think it's for the right reason. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want, the, I, I don't enjoy this complete lack of trust. I think it's really unhealthy. For everybody, it, it looks as if that they're not politicians as such.
2: They're pushing agendas.
1: Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. It, it, to me, it's, it's just a, it, it's the revolving door. You know, Van Tam is off. He's got his new gig, isn't he? And uh, who's the other one? who's just who's the other guy? Oh, I don't know. They come and go so quickly. It's impossible yeah. to remember, isn't it?
0: Uh,
1: yeah, Ardern is now teacher, uh, speaking at Harvard. And who's the other? Who's that dreadful man from Australia? Uh, he's he's stepped down, isn't he? Morrison. Uh, yeah, Andrews. Andrews. Andrews, Andrews. Andrews. Yeah, Dan Andrews. He's he's, he's gone. Um, and, and I just believe, I, I know this sounds a little bit sort of conspiratorial, I believe he served his purpose, they're done with him, he's going to get a nice backhand or whatever, however it transpires, we'll and, around. and he's, he'll be moved into Morgan Stanley or whoever the hell it is, and that's, you know, whatever what you think of some of the old politicians, and when they, when, they, when they stopped being front bench, they actually just went to the back bench mm-hmm. and served, served the community, that doesn't happen anymore. They, they they just seem to go. Why well, that's not, is it that time already? You know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I find the whole thing just yeah really really depressing. Yeah,
2: yeah. and half a dozen uh,
0: MPs resigning in the last 12 months is a little unusual. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, looking back, when I mean Edward Heath has got a very mixed reputation. But whatever you think of him, even when he lost the leadership of the Tory Party, he stayed in the House. He served his constituency until the very end. Tony Blair the minute he lost the leadership
1: he was off stuffing his pockets
0: yeah. doing the doing the dinner circuit same with Cameron these people are not decent people they are not they do not care about the people that they're supposed to represent they just don't well, I thought
1: you went off for a second Did
0: that. I did I go off No Did I I think you're okay Did I go off no. All right. Can you tell from there if I went off
1: <laughs>
0: Can you um, yeah, I, you know, so I, I, I think it's, uh, some of the politicians, when you look back, I mean, Harold Wilson used to go on holiday to the Silly Isles, that's about as romantic as he got, you know, now they, they go off and, I mean, I remember with Blair, that when he was um, seeking to be MPM, the first thing he did, was he went over to Murdoch's yacht to make sure that he had the sun on board. You know, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who don't truly believe in anything particular. They believe in the art of the the art of the possible. That's what Blair said. Politics is just the art of the possible. That is rubbish. And he is probably one of the most toxic public figures we have in this country. Um, and so, I, yeah, so we, I just think we need to demand more politicians of the people. We need to be much more uh, aggressive about the representation that we have. And we need to be much more confident in ourselves that we can sack these people if we choose. And don't put up with rubbish. We should never put up with rubbish. If your local MP doesn't answer your emails, if your local MP is, is, is a multi-millionaire and living in the Bahamas most of the time, get rid of him. Tony, Blaine is abs- Tony Ben was absolutely right. How do we get rid of you? That's one of the key things we... Tony Ben, what did I say? I
1: thought it was Tony
0: Blair. Oh, well, he's just as bad, anyway. But Tony Ben was, you know, Tony Ben was cool. Um, going, going back, back in the day I, when we, with Jeremy Corbyn, I, I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't in favor of Jeremy Corbyn at all, politically. But looking back, what I think is, at least we knew what he stood for. At least there was a kind of clarity there between him and Cameron. We knew what we were getting or not getting. Um, and so, so I've changed my mind a little bit on Jeremy Corbyn. I, kind of think, I disagree with him still on pretty much everything. But at least he was, with the exception of being a Remainer when he was actually a Lever um, on the EU issue, generally speaking he he had a set a selection of issues and and principles that he truly thought would, he believed in. um and then and now we end up with Starmer, who is uh, who is i don't know what what is he i mean i'd like to ask everybody in this room what does Pierre Starmer stand for anybody anybody got an idea we haven't same as rishi apart from sunak he's but he's she... a yeah he is a absolutely exactly he's he's, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is. I, I ju- I, yeah, I just feel that we've we've got one of the greatest one of the things about Brexit, which was really reassuring. Whether you leave or remain doesn't really matter. Was the fact that the elites thought they had it sewn up. They thought they had it sewn up, and and I went to bed thinking that's it. We're, it, we're still in. it's that and then Sunderland came in. And it was like, all right, now these are the people that actually matter. And there was a whole, whole red wall that came tumbling down. And we did some shows, we did some promotion up in places like Wolverhampton and Sunderland around there. And I'm not surprised they voted out. Because there was no money there, they didn't give, didn't care about those people. Those places were, they were, there was no money or very little money there. The job prospects, I imagine, were pretty terrible. And so it wasn't, it was interesting that the elites didn't care about that or didn't even know. And so when the votes came in from those the midland areas on the north, and it was it, they they voted to leave, and people like Cameron, they must have thought, well, who are these people? Why have they got the votes? Where are they coming from? I don't know. Where's, where's, where, where's Hartlepool? I don't know where Paul is. Where's, is it in the UK? I don't, you know. So uh, th- that was a really interesting moment, I think. That, that was where the elites really got, got it stuffed. Do you, to you them. think the main political
2: parties had let down the working class so badly that it was an anti-establishment? Well, I have,
0: a, I have a bit of a problem with the notion of working class because a consultant is working class if he's working. If he's playing golf, then he's not. But uh, there are all sorts of working people in this country we associate working class with dirty hands and, and, um, and blue collars and that whole thing. But actually, the working class is anybody that's working. Uh, and, and I, but I do, I do think that uh, the, the Labour Party certainly has, has forgotten its base completely. And, and, and they, they, I think they talk to uh, undergraduates and, um, and spads. And, uh, you know, they've, Keir Starmer is a really good example. When I saw him taking the knee in his office, I, thought, I, I looked at him and I thought, you are such a tosser. I mean, I, right. it was <laughs> I mean, this, it was so woke. It was yeah. so painfully. I will do anything to ingratiate myself with those that I think matter. Um, and I don't, I'm not surprised that people in the Midlands and the North voted out and voted and the Labour Party lost a lot of seats. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's just a shame that it was Boris Johnson that made that happen because he's not a great individual either. Um, I th- you know, I, I, I wouldn't uh, trust him with my last fiver, that guy.
2: What do you make of the police taking the knee?
0: I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absurd. I thought the p- police painting their nails and rainbow flags on the cars and taking the knee. And it was all, it's all so... It's so... It's so weak. It's so weak. The police are there to police. And it changed... It used to be a police force. Do you remember that? When the force... Uh, forced, the, forced the law. That's what they did. And now it's a service. It's not a service. It's a police force. And if you change the name, don't be surprised if the people behave differently. And I had a friend who was in, um, uh, in the Met and he said about 70% of all his work was social care. It was all to do with, with uh, domestic disputes and of, of that. It was very little crime stuff. Um, and that's what you get when you call a service which is essentially to do with enforcing the law. Um... Believing there's some kind of service, like 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 a like a guy at the at the the local garage, it's it's not that it's not a police service. It's a police force, and we need to. Language is everything. walwell was right about that. And language is everything. If you change the language, you change the way people think, and then you change the way people behave. Absolutely. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsovoke.org Thank you for listening.